Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and we also happen to be brothers, for those who didn't know. By blood, not by choice. Now, before we get started, Nick, is there anything you want to wish me today? No, nothing I can think of. You know, my birthday was on Sunday, March 14th. Oh, yeah, it's my boy Ling's birthday, so I must have wished him one and forgot to wish you one. I mean, shout out Ling. He's a legend. Uh, happy birthday, Chris. But yeah, man. I mean, I haven't heard from you in weeks. Thought you'd reach out outside of the podcast. That's not true. Really, I, I we took don't really you talk. Out for, I took you out to dinner for your birthday last week to Montesacro. Shout out Montesacro. They had fantastic pizza. We actually bonded a lot that night, Nick. On a level we never thought we'd get to. All right. Yes, it's my birthday, or it was my birthday on Sunday. I took a vacation. I went to Massachusetts. So yeah, had a great vacation, great birthday, celebrated. I was able to watch the Nets versus Pistons on Saturday night. We'll get into that in a little, but let's start with this Knicks at the Nets game just finished. Let's talk about it. All right, Nick, and we start off the podcast tonight by discussing that Nets victory over the crosstown rival New York Knicks, 117-112. to 112. This was a crazy game, so Brooklyn pretty much beat up on the Knicks in the first half. Uh, The Knicks made it a game in the fourth quarter. Kyrie and James Harden hit some big shots to essentially make it a five or seven point game. You thought this game was over and the Knicks hung around, got a few easy baskets at the end. And then the Nets did this thing, Nick, where they have two inbounds plays and the Knicks get a jump ball on both of them. They win the jump ball The Knicks had a chance down three points to tie the game. Julius Randle had a three-point attempt. Kyrie Irving had a hell of a play, got his hand on the ball. Randle came down with the ball still in his hands, took a dribble because Kyrie had dislodged it. The refs did not see Kyrie do that, and they called a travel on Julius Randle, giving the ball back to the Nets. Harden hit two free throws to ice the game. Wild finish. And the Knicks did not have a challenge because there was a play where the refs called a foul on Joe Harris, which really was a jump ball. The Knicks challenged that and the Knicks won the challenge. So just a lot going on here. The Nets got a lot of calls tonight. Why did the ref not review that travel call on Julius Randle? Who knows? But Randle was visually pissed off after the game, wanted a word with Scott Foster, was being restrained by teammates, kicked a chair on his way out. And then on the other side, you have a very happy Kyrie Irving waving to the fans. Let's not gloss over the fact that Kyrie was amazing tonight. 34 points on 13 of 18 from the field, four of six and three-point land. Uh, James Harden had another triple-double, 21 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists for him. And Jeff Green was the third big scorer tonight. He had 20 points on 8 of 11 from the field for the New York Knicks. Julius Randle had 33 and 12. R.J. Barrett had 23. And Emmanuel Quickly had 21 in the starting role. So, Nick, what were some of your takeaways? What do you think of that last few minutes of this game? And are we proud of this win as Nets fans? So here's what I'll say. I am a diehard Nets fan, but above anything, 
I am a fan of basketball and it being played the right way um, and kind of the honor system, right? Of like a win never feels good with an asterisk. So here's what I'll say. I, it, I hated to see it end that way. Julius Randle had every right to be frustrated. And I know what it's like to get frustrated with refs. I got my first technical foul in fourth grade for calling a ref an asshole. So I understand the frustration when you know in your heart that a call is wrong. And I, I never wanted to see it end that way. I did feel bad for Julius Randle. With that said, and I will say Kyrie is a little disrespectful at the end there too. But with that said, the odds of the Knicks still winning was slim. Yes, they cut it super close. It would have been probably a one in, in 20, 25 odds of them actually tying that game, sending it into overtime. So I do feel confident the Nets would have won. It's not the greatest feeling in the world. I love beating the Knicks. I hate the Knicks. But this is the first time where I say, okay, take a step back. That wasn't cool how that ended. What I'll also say is I'll tip my hat to these young Knicks players. I was kind of, I've been talking shit on the podcast because I've kind of watched them here and there and thought this hype was all bullshit. They're fighters, man. They are young, confident. They hustle. They play their asses off. I mean, you're playing against arguably two of the top 10 players in the league and you're staying in the game. You're not scared come that fourth quarter. But what is with these nets and these inbound plays, dude? What was it a few months ago with Joe Harris throwing the ball to the other team as he was like falling forward. Who is that against? It seems yeah, that was, like it was the wizards. That was the big uh, wizard. Right. And then Beal hit that. Beal hit Westbrook the oh, Westbrook hit three. Westbrook yeah. hit the three. So it seems like there's a lot of things we need to work on. Let's take a deep breath. We got the well, victory. Kyrie Irving fucking incredible dude. That third quarter, third quarters in the past two games for him. Or I guess we'll skip, we'll skip the Pistons. The third quarter against the Celtics at 18. Third quarter today must have been similar to that. I think he was 7 for 10 at one point and then finished 13 for 18, meaning he went 6 of 8 of his last 8 shots. I mean, that field goal percentage is unheard of. So, unbelievable play from Kyrie. Unbelievable triple-double from James Harden. And we'll take the victory and we'll be okay with it, but wish it ended a different way. I mean, you brought it up, if, and, and I'll give you a Troy reference because you're a huge fan of the movie Troy. If the Nets have an Achilles heel, it's closing out games when they're up. For some reason, Steve Nash and this team lose focus when they have to inbound the ball. At one point, Nick, the Nets called timeout to go over an inbounds play. Joe Harris took the ball out on the side. They called timeout a second time, right? So now you've had two timeouts in a row. And then the third time, I think there was a tie-up with James Harden, and they called a jump ball. The Knicks were able to force two jump balls in the final 46, 50 seconds of this game. That's inexcusable if you're the Nets. I'll give you some advice. If they're going to double the guy that you throw the ball to, have the inbounders step out and throw the ball back to him. The Knicks were, what drove me nuts is the Knicks were not trying to foul in the last few seconds of the game. And the Nets thought they were because the Nets just had Joe Harris and James Harden hold the ball and, and hold on for dear life. And it didn't work. The Knicks kept getting their hands on it. It, it was an ugly last few seconds for the Nets or, or last 50 seconds. And I'm, I'm just glad that Kyrie made a great play. We got a very generous call and we were able to hang on. This does not give us bragging rights over the Knicks, man. Quickly, Barrett and Randall played their heart out tonight. Those three guys. Even Reggie, were super Reggie impressive. Bullock had a good well, he, game. He played that. 42 minutes. So he had 19 points in 42 minutes. I mean, I, I get it, but kudos to them, man. They hung around, they fought. I, I really thought they gave themselves a chance to win. It's unfortunate how it ended. I will take the victory. But like you said, not a great win to be proud of. Still beat the Knicks. We'll take it. I mean, 
this is the second game in a row where we outshot our opponent substantially from the field. I mean, against the Pistons, 48% to 40%, and they stayed in the game. This was even bigger. This was a 58% shooting night for the Nets and a 40% shooting night for the Knicks. And they somehow stayed in this game because of turnovers and mistakes. So we have a lot to improve upon. Let's also say that we're missing Durant, Dinwiddie, and Blake. Oh, enough of who we're missing. We have Nick Claxton, bro. He was a plus 11 tonight. He needs to play more minutes. He scored six points. He was three of three from the field, plus 11. My guy just straight makes things happen on the basketball court. Offensively, he had probably the sickest play of the game, an alley-oop, one-handed dunk from James Harden. Defensively, he causes havoc against opponents. He's a very good player. Obviously, we don't have Durant and Dinwiddie right now, man. We're going to get Durant back eventually. Not sure if Dinwiddie plays this season or if he ever plays again in a Nets uniform. But the guys we did have outside of Kyrie, Harden, and Jeff Green, no one really scored that much for the Nets. Shamit kind of cooled off. Joe Harris didn't have a great game. Bruce Brown was here and there. You know, you know, it is what it is, but I'll take the win. And I want to just give a quick shout out to cousin Ray. He said the Knicks were robbed. He's very upset about the loss as are lots of Knicks fans. Uh, better luck next time, I guess. I'll uh, just to put this into perspective. Cause I know later on, we're going to talk about other games. This puts us now officially a half a game behind the 76ers for first place in the East. We are nine and one in our last 10 games, sitting at 27 and 13. But we will uh, we'll take the victory. I still hate the Knicks, and I'm still glad we won. All right. Now let's get to some Nets news. Recent reports have the Nets out on P.J. Tucker. There's, you don't want him? I don't want P.J. Tucker. I was going to come up with an inappropriate middle name that rhymes with Tucker, but no, I, I don't think PJ Tucker fills really any gaps for us. Uh, he's a great defender. He's not a good scorer. We have solid defenders like Bruce Brown who could also score offensively. So I don't need PJ Tucker. Yeah. He kind of doesn't fit this lineup because his whole role is a small ball center, but he's undersized and the nets need someone who's oversized. They need someone to come in that has a similar presence to Deandre Jordan. PJ Tucker is the NBA opposite of Deandre Jordan. Yeah, I I agree. I don't need Tucker. So I think that's a good call by, uh, by Marks. They are still the front runners to land Andre Drummond. If he's bought out by Cleveland and apparently they'll, they'll fight the Lakers on that. The Lakers are also trying to get Drummond services, but the Nets are in the lead right now per Sham Sharania. Do you like that? You know, I would rather Drummond come here than LA, obviously, because I just think he'd be, he'd be very dangerous. Our matchup, if we made it to the championships, the Lakers would be a lot more difficult with Andre Drummond, obviously, as an opponent. But with that said, I hope he doesn't go to either. I don't really want him. Uh, it just seems at this point we're doing some like unnecessary stacking when we're already have like the chemistry we've built thus far is unbelievable. Blake Griffin comes in and fills a need that we have. Um, I'm excited to see him play. Or are we going to reunite him and Drummond again? I, it just feels a, like a force at this point. I understand Drummond wants to go to a championship team and I understand the value he brings, but this is just overkill. Listen, I warmed up to Harden. I warmed up to uh, pretty much everybody thus far. Why do you have to keep getting me to warm up to people? You're so weird. You like don't want the Nets to add better players. That's bizarre. Andre Drummond is better than DeAndre Jordan right now. He's younger. He's more efficient on defense. He can play longer minutes. So if you pair him with DeAndre Jordan, you get a pretty solid player at that five, no matter what. Andre Drummond. Would I be like Blake Griffin more than Andre Drummond. 
I, I mean, I don't know. That's a close one. I think I like Drummond a slight amount more. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Andre Drummond. It just to me is like I've never been on the mentality of get just for one season to win a championship in one year, get every single possible free agent superstar to your team. I don't know. So if the Nets don't sign Andre Drummond, they're still interested in JaVal McGee as a backup plan. Would you like or hate that signing? I love that. You see, JaVal McGee fills a very small role on the team. Okay. He's going to come in and give you like 10 to 12 solid minutes off the bench, probably get like one dunk and two blocks. And that's all I need from JaVale McGee. Okay. Get DeAndre Jordan back in there, warm Blake Griffin back up, get him to that level that he was at not four years ago, maybe two years ago, but when he was injured, no, just kidding. But no, I, I like the JaVale McGee move. He's been on championship teams before too. He was on the Warriors. He was on the Lakers. So to me, that's a move I can get behind. I don't think Drummond's necessary. I still think that Andre Drummond is better than JaVale McGee. I normally want the better player, so I'm going to have to disagree with you, Nick. Well, that's like saying, you know, two things that are the strongest go together, but it's, it's about chemistry. Things need to complement each other. Bro, I got a C-minus in chemistry in high school. That was not my favorite subject. Is Andre Drummond the best team big man? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, that's an argument I can get behind. All right. Anyways, uh, fun fact came out recently. Remember how for months before the James Harden stuff, pretty much last year, Nets fans were clamoring for Aaron Gordon to be a Brooklyn Net. Well, apparently a trade for either Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie was discussed in January of 2020 for Aaron Gordon. Nick, are you surprised by this? I'm surprised that if this was offered, why the Magic didn't take it. Because I've been talking about the magic on my last couple podcasts that they've been thinking the trio of uh, Jonathan Isaac, Evan Fournier, and Nikola Vucevic is going to win them a championship or even get them into the playoffs. It hasn't worked, and they've stuck with it. And Terrence Ross is like the fourth guy in that rotation. They're all getting older and not any better. So you'd think that pairing Vucevic with a young up-and-coming superstar like Karis Levert, I would have opted for Levert if I were them, not Dinwiddie, to be honest. I would have thought that was a extremely stupid move by the magic not to accept. Now, do I know all the details in that trade? No. Do I know who denied or altered it? No. But if it was pretty straightforward, you're going to get Levert for Gordon. The magic, like I'm glad they didn't take it, but they're stupid for not. All right. Did you hear this latest rumor that the Rockets are actually considering sending Victor Oladipo back to the magic and they're very high on Aaron Gordon. So I guess they'd want to, They'd probably send Oladipo in a pick for Gordon or something along those lines. Poor Oladipo, man. He's a great player who just keeps getting tossed around like a stale blunt. Blake Griffin, new Brooklyn Net, did a mini interview with Malika Andrews. I wanted to read you some of her questions, some of his answers. Just give me your reaction, okay? Yeah. She asked Blake what type of player the Nets are getting, and his response was, I'll be there to fill the gaps. For me, it's about being that guy that can facilitate a little bit, score when needed to. At this point in my career, my game lends itself to that. I don't really like that response. He's almost saying like, yeah, everyone expects me to be a step slower and kind of fill a role and not play up to a higher standard. I would love to see him trying to push himself, right? And be like, listen, I've been through hell. I've been through injuries. I'm trying to bounce back. I'm going to do my best to be an impactful player on this team, not I'm going to fill a role if necessary. That's where I'm at in my career. It just sounds a little demeaning to himself. Yeah, I agree. He's kind of saying, hey, I'll be like 
whatever the team needs me to be, which is, I guess, admirable and noble. No, I'm going to disagree with you. You're wrong. It's a very solid, positive thing to say. This is a guy who has not played up to his caliber in Detroit. This is sort of a second chance. This is that type of player who will win a championship like Dwight Howard did with the Lakers. Then he'll get paid by another team for his services. He's not going to be a long-term Brooklyn net. He's a Brooklyn net right now. So he can get that ring. I am 100% on the Blake Griffin train right now. I am too. I just, I have high hopes for Blake Griffin above what this statement suggests. Fair point. All right. Andrew's second question was, will Nets fans see vintage dunks? And Griffin responded, that's the plan. He mentioned he still has the ability to dunk, even though he's on this weird dunkless streak. So do you believe him or do you think that it's going to take a few games before he yams one home? He's fucking 6'9". If he can't dunk anymore, I don't think he should be in the league. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) He still thinks he could dunk? That's like saying, I still think I could breathe air. All right. And the final question Malika asked, she said, use one word to describe yourself. And Blake said hungry, which is actually a word that I use to describe myself very often. Uh, But then he elaborated. His goal is to win a championship with the Nets, basically confirming everything he said before then. I'm going to do whatever the team needs. My priority right now at this point in my career is to win a championship. So what do you think of his word hungry? I love that. That's something I used to describe myself, not in a similar way that you do yourself. Yours is usually just in terms of food. I like the idea of hungry in terms of, you know, conquering goals and and following your ambition. I think that's a great word to use. Yeah. But are you denying that there's not a greater feeling than when you're hungry for food and then satisfying that said hunger with food? Yeah. I would say an NBA championship is probably a better feeling. Tomato, tomato. All right, let's get to some game breakdowns. Obviously, we talked about the Knicks earlier in the episode. I wanted to get to that Nets versus Celtics game. It was right out of All-Star break. The Nets won 121 to 109. Kyrie had a 40-burger in this one. He pretty much closed the Celtics out in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Harden was fantastic, too. I think he had 20-plus points uh, and I think 10 plus assists. Am I right there? Do you have the box score in front of you? Yeah, 20, 22 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. So nearly two, right. two assists away from a triple D. So he was close. Shamit was on fire. He had 18 points. Shamit's been on the last three games. He's shooting over 50% and averaging about 12, 13 points a game. Shamit's been on his shit right now. This is what we've been waiting for. So it's nice to see. I'm checking now. Yep. Jeff Green had 11. Anyway, this was a close game. Tatum was phenomenal for the Celtics. They hung around. They kept it close. But in the fourth quarter, Kyrie said, give me the damn ball. Watch me go to work. He was insane in that game, Nick. 18 points in the third quarter. And it was just cool to see, man. I mean, when someone steps up on their former team, and refuses to lose, refuses to even miss a shot. You got to love it, man. And I know we both uh, have some negative feelings towards the Celtics uh, because of, of them kind of dousing us over the past 10 years and developing with these young guns. And it's just great to see Kyrie, who's now kind of hated in Boston and, and almost blamed for their uh, uh, inability to advance further in the playoffs over the last five to seven years. You know, Boston friends of mine will even say Kyrie's a cancer wherever he goes. So to see him come to Brooklyn on a team that's now far superior to Boston, say, hey, what's up, Celtics? I'm going to drop 40 and have an easy win. This is how it's going to be in the playoffs. If we see you, that was a really promising sign. Hot take. The Jason Kidd-led Nets in 2003 would be able to defeat 
the 2021 Boston Celtics. Yeah, 100% agree. 100%. 100% agree. Do you have anything else on the Celtics game? Can we move on to the Pistons game? No, I mean, Celtics game was great. I, we just outplayed the Celtics. You know, I was actually impressed with Marcus Smart, who, who is one of the most frustrating players to play against. Marcus Smart? Where he was guarding Kyrie and Kyrie couldn't breathe. Like he, like if Marcus right. Smart gets you and he has, a, he has a step on defense and he's up in your grill, like you're not getting by him. He's a tough cookie. Um, we outplayed him. We stepped up to the plate. Um, just to give you a quick little final recap in terms of like field goal percentage and some stats. So overall shot 48% compared to the Celtics 45 45% from three compared to the Celtics 32. Um, and this is not a great turnover number 14 compared to the Celtics 11, but lower than we've seen us in the past. And yeah, out rebounded them both uh, defensively and tied them offensively, but it's just an overall better performance. So it was nice to see. Jalen Brown had a rough game for the most part. I know he had a few shots in the fourth, but he did not play up to his standard. No, All he's right. my favorite player on that Celtics team. He shot five of 23 from the field. Yeah, that's a rough poopy, one. Poopy. All right, Nick, let's move on to this Detroit Pistons game on Saturday. Nets 100, Detroit 95. This was a big revenge win for the Nets. Obviously, their winning streak started after that Detroit loss a few weeks ago. James Harden was great, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and he closed it out in the fourth with a few key buckets. Kyrie had 18 points. DeAndre Jordan had 14 points, nine rebounds, and Landry Shamit continued his hot shooting streak. He had 15 off the bench. Uh, Nets were up the whole game. Detroit gave him a, a late run, but the, James Harden was able to basically close it out on his own. What do you think? I mean, Jeremy Grant's a phenomenal player, and he's been keeping these Pistons in some tight games. They're, they're losing most of them. They're sitting at 10 and 28 and far out of playoff contention. But Jeremy Grant's a great player, 22 points. Um, what I saw from this game was, like you said, the Nets were leading the entire way, up 14 going into the fourth. Pistons made a late run, but it didn't really matter much at that point. Um, it should have been it shouldn't have been this close, though, even with the late run. We shot 22% from three-point. Uh, range which is just horrendous considering that's nearly half of our usual uh, three-point percentage if our superstars are hot so uh you know we eked out of this a little closer than we should have but I wasn't really worried at any point this is one of those games where if you have Kevin Durant he's going to give you 25 to 30 extra points you're probably going to win this game by 30 but because you don't have that luxury I mean Kyrie was off Harden was off they weren't really scoring was off Everybody was off, and and like you said, they weren't shooting too well. So, look, at least we won. I'm just thinking this is one of those games. KD's presence might not have hurt. And also Blake Griffin. What does that say about our team if we're shooting 22% from three? You know, two out of four of our best players are barely hitting their shots, and we still win. Yeah, we're a resilient bunch. We're Obviously, our defense has really picked up since that loss in Detroit a few weeks ago. This team is more focused on the defensive side of the ball. You saw that against the Celtics. Um, they let Detroit hang around, but they closed it out when it mattered. I, I look, I, they're a great team. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I don't want you to say anything, but let's also acknowledge another great performance by Landry Shamit. Yes. 15 points, five for six from the field, three for three from three. Birthday boy Landry Shamit. Happy 24th birthday on March 13th. Wow, you guys are so close. We're very, very close. Blake Griffin had a dope $800 sweater uh, on the bench. Did you see it? You kind of had a little Fresh Prince vibe. Yeah, I like that a lot. Looked good. And shout out to Michael Grady for calling the game. He was actually amazing in Iron Eagle's absence. I thought he was felt, felt natural, comfortable. Him and Sarah Kustoch were great off each other. It was a good listen. Congrats, Michael Grady. Great work. All right. And this final segment, Nick, I call it 
should Nets fans actually care about this? So the barstool personality known as KFC, I've been following KFC for about 10 years now. He's, he's very opinionated. If he thinks something, he feels very strongly about it. That's kind of putting it likely. Um, he responded to a Christian Winfield tweet. Shout out Christian Winfield, former guest of the pod, who reposted this James Harden quote after a big Nets win, I think on Saturday. Harden said, one of the reasons I came to Brooklyn was for the fans. They're so passionate. Once we're able to fill this building, I know it's going to be rocking. KFC responded with a tweet of his own saying, one of the most low-key fascinating things I've witnessed in my life as a New York sports fan is how truly, truly irrelevant the Nets are in this city. I mean, nobody cares. I think they can win a title and the New York Yankees and New York Mets talk would still dominate the city in June. Barclays will never be rocking. Should Nets fans care about this or do we just ignore it and move on? Listen, us diehard Nets fans know who we are and we know each other's out there and we, and we communicate with each other is I live in Williamsburg. Am I seeing, you know, Nets jerseys and, 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 you know, Nets flags hanging from yes. the ceiling? Say yes. No, but I also live a, a decent ways away from Barclays. Here's the thing with the Nets. They are still an extremely new team. And a lot of the people who live in Brooklyn and around these parts have been here for decades and are Knicks fans at birth, right? It takes a while for a city to adapt to a new team. The only way to get them or to expedite that process is to win a championship, is to be a winning team, a successful franchise for years to come. The Nets are on that trajectory. So did KFC make a dick comment that's inaccurate? Yes. Does he have some sort of a point to say the Knicks and Mets still dominate? They do. They do 100%. But that's why we're here, Spen. That's why we're doing what we do, because we're building up this fan base. We're building up this knowledge and education behind the Brooklyn Nets and how truly incredible they're going to be for years to come. So there is opportunity here, and we are finding it, and we're finding the potential, and we're closing that gap. But there still are more fans to be converted and more celebrations to be had. Listen, You've said a lot of dumb shit on this podcast. That that might be the smartest response you've ever had to a quote. That was very well done. I bought in. Opportunity, growth of the fan base, multiple championships. You had me rocking, bro. Just like Barclays will be in a couple months. Yeah, man. I agree with you. Multiple championships. That's how you build a fan base. You saw the Warriors do it a few years ago. Uh, that can be done in Brooklyn. I mean, dude, before, also, Warriors are a great point. Before them, the only thing I knew about the Warriors was Jason Richardson. Exactly. I will say that I, I saw this and my initial reaction was like, man, fuck this cat. But I decided to invite him on to Fireside Nets because if anything, Nick and I welcome dialogue. So I was like, yo, KFC, saw you feel a certain type of way. Why don't you come on the podcast? We'll have a, we'll have a great dialogue about the Knicks versus Nets versus Yankees and all that nonsense. Yeah. I'll fight him. No, we do not fight on here, Nick. We I'm are more of a Popeyes than a KFC fan anyway. We are peaceful. All right. Peace and love. Yeah. Kyrie Irvin. That's what he says. He don't fight. Well, let's burn. Fights, yeah, we should burn, we should burn some sage. No, he fights for what he believes in, but he doesn't have to physically fight because he knows that's not the right way. True. All right, Nick, let's close out the pod. I want to shout out Empire Sports Media, obviously Fireside. As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we are presented to you by Empire Sports Media. You can check out ESM for all your latest Yankees, Giants, Jets, Mets, Rangers, Devils, any kind of sports news in the tri-state area. They cover it. Um, shout out to Montesacro. That was the restaurant that Nick took me to for my birthday. Amazing pizza joint, Williamsburg, correct? Correct. Uh, Montesacro, it is on 
Metropolitan Ave. Shout out to the Berkshires, where I stayed in Western Massachusetts at a place called Tourists. Very, very nice area. Very nice hotel. If you're looking to stay somewhere with a loved one, a partner, a friend, anybody, you should stay at Tourists. And any other shout outs, Nick? Yeah, I just want to say, Jack, uh, we miss you. Please come home. Jack who? Well, it was supposed to be like a cryptic message, but Jack's been in Canada for like six weeks and he hasn't been back yet. Because all our, all, all our listeners know who Jack is. No, that was like a, you, when you send a cryptic message out, only the receiver knows what it means. Do you know how anything works ever? Are you hungry? I am hungry. <laughs> Get out of here. And as always, I'll catch you on the fire side. Fire side. <laughs>